Hey, I hope you're enjoying this content. Want to make sure that you know about our Facebook group. It's totally free, but it's a great place to post any questions you might have, get some resources, talk to people who are doing the clinic gym model. You can find it on Facebook and it's called the Clinic Gym Hybrid Discussion Group. Once again, the Clinic Gym Hybrid Discussion Group. If you haven't gotten in there yet, you have to answer a couple questions so we can keep the deadbeats out, but we'd love to have you in there. And if you ever have a question about, hey, I don't know how to set up my insurance or what company do you use for this equipment, that is the absolute best place to post. Every day we're getting great questions and even better answers. And man, there's tons of resources out there that I didn't even know about. So once again, check us out on Facebook. It's the Clinic Gym Hybrid Discussion Group. Hope to see you there. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. This is Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm excited for you to be on this journey. Look, when I started my Clinic Gym Hybrid back in 2013, I didn't have a place to go for resources. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we're here. Let's jump in. Hey, welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, as always, Dr. Josh Satterley. Today, it's just me, and we are talking all about construction tips. So I wanted to share this because I just last week spent some time with a, a, a fellow who was building a clinic gym hybrid. So I talked to the contractor who was doing the build and the uh, the client, the owner of the clinic gym hybrid. And you know, it's very common that people who are building spaces assume you know if they built a hundred dental offices, they assume they know what a medical practice is looking for. And because this is such a unique model. There are a couple of considerations that I've found along the way that will serve you very well in making sure that you have a very functional, uh, a very functional space. And also you can learn, like I learned, you know, when I had uh, my clinic gym hybrid is 5,000 square feet. And every time a little maintenance issue occurs, man, you don't realize how much time, effort, money it takes for you to do that. So I want to give you some tips to eliminate this. For example, uh, I always say don't install showers. Showers are number one, they're super expensive to put in. Number two, like in our city, you pay a lot of money for a, a permit to have a drain. That's kind of how they, in our city, that's how the building permit process goes. Every drain you install for water costs you extra. But I can remember there we were coaching the, uh, we had 9 a.m. class going. I'm in the clinic treating people and I come out of the clinic and I step on the turf and, um, so the door to my clinic office was maybe 10 feet away from the door to the women's sh- uh, bathroom that had a shower in it. And it was just turf in between there. And I step and I can hear that I'm stepping on water. I'm like, oh, that's very strange. Like our turf is soaking freaking wet. Why? Well, it turns out that the women's bathroom drain had clogged in the shower and uh, was overflowing which was fan-freaking-tastic. Now, why was it overflowing? This is one of those things you just realize only after you've owned a facility, but, uh, you know, women, when when they shower, uh, shed a lot of hair, and that hair bunches up in the drain, and that drain gets blocked. If there's nowhere to go with that water, it ends up just flooding out the door, which is what happened to us. So we had to call a, a plumbing service. We had to cancel our noon class. We, uh, you know, plumbing service was a few hundred dollars. I think it was like $350 because it was on a rush, and, the guy, you know, cleaned it out. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't anything like pressing, but you're down 350 bucks. So there's the profit for the, uh, the, the day. Uh, so zero profit margin for that day, plus the inconvenience, plus, you know, the plumber coming in, it's loud. We had to cancel class, which doesn't serve our customers. Well, blah, 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 blah. 
So these are the things you learn as an owner, as I, I was an owner of a clinic gym at the time. So I want to share five tips that I think will, number one, reduce the work, extra work you have to do. Number two, ensure that the space is designed to be used like a, a clinic gym and give you some ideas that are well worth doing on the front end if you're building out a, a new facility. So these are important to share with your contractor. And I will tell you right now, some of these are a little bit different. You might get some pushback. But please, please, please push for these things because time and time again, uh, I see that they save people money. And that's really, you know, if you can save a little bit of money, that means more profit at the end of the month to go home with. So it's it's always good. So uh, yeah, uh, these are some tips that I've assembled along the way. Some of these I got wrong. Some of these I got right. Uh, but these are the things that I want to share with you. So number one, if you are building a brand new clinic gym space. So you're moving into one that has not been operating as your clinic or you're rehabbing your clinic to open up the gym space. Probably the number one thing that I see just just crushes people with extra time and maintenance and everything is try and in your gym space, try to have plywood walls. If you don't know, typical construction is drywall, right? That's the the sheet or, or it's called, um, what do people call it? Uh, gypsum board or, um, and there's another term for it, drywall or anyways. And it's the smooth surface that gets put up. It's very good for uh, fire fire code and everything. The problem with it is it looks great, but man, if anything hard hits it, you can punch a hole in it very easily. In fact, if, uh, if you don't believe me, you can kick, uh, an easy way to do demolition on a drywall building is just kick uh, your toe of your shoe into a wall and you'll punch a hole right in it. The problem with that in a clinic gym hybrid is gyms typically have very hard, heavy objects being thrown around all the time, like dumbbells and kettlebells and the ends of barbells. Ends of barbells, you have this 45-pound implement. It's only about, whatever, four inches around. It'll punch a hole in a wall like crazy. I've seen it happen. Uh, we had a drywall wall get hit somebody was unloading weights or bumper plates from a barbell they dropped one on the ground and it went rolling and boom it put a nice big crescent shaped uh, chunk out of our drywall uh, in the clinic wall so biggest suggestion i can make skin the walls with dry or with uh with plywood instead of drywall okay now your contractor will probably push back and say oh that's going to look ugly you're going to see the seams and this and that it doesn't take paint well all of that is true, but the flip side of that, that they don't realize on the front end that you're going to run into in the back end, you don't want to become an expert <laughs> drywall repair person, right? I've done that in our second space uh, before we before we had the, the 5,000 square foot space. In our second space, we had about 1,400 square feet of rehab area, um, and I repaired that six or seven times. And, you know, you come in on a Saturday... No, no drywall repair person will take a job that small, right? But it does look like crap to, to you. So you're like, oh, I'll come in and do it. Or maybe you have a friend that does it. You come in, you do some repair, then you paint it, then blah, 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 blah. Well, hell, you just gave up half of a Saturday or an entire Saturday to fix one little thing. And then three months later, another mark appeared. And so I decided like in that space, I was like, I'm not going to have drywall in our gym space. We're going to put plywood. Plywood it's not perfect, but it'll take a beating a whole lot better and it's able to deal and it's much more resilient with the things that happen. So we installed this and I knew I was on the right track because I can tell you three different experiences I had where the drywall or sorry, 
where drywall would have crumbled and the plywood saved our bacon. One workout uh, involved, you know, the using some dumbbells and then going outside and doing a 40 meter run. Right. And so this guy was lifting, had his dumbbells and, you know, everybody was supposed to put their dumbbells down before they took off on their run. He was tired. I don't know what happened. And he starts moving towards the door, still holding his, his dumbbells. Well, he finally realizes, oh, I should put these down and drops them onto our rubber floor. But he already had this like forward momentum and he just held on to them for maybe a second or two too long. Well, as he's moving towards the door, he has these dumbbells in his hand. He drops the dumbbells. Boom, they bounce and they're bouncing right towards the wall. And I see it hit the wall, leaves a little black mark. But because it was, it was plywood, the dumbbells bounce right back off. Had that been a drywall uh, wall, would have punched at least one, probably two holes in it, right? So it saved our bacon there. So that is one of the reasons. Second time, uh, somebody's using a barbell and there it was a, a, we had a golf performance class. They were, we were practicing light power cleans, right? And they were hitting them really well. It was awesome and got all excited. And as sometimes people do or athletes do, they took the bar and as they're putting it down, they kind of threw the barbell down and were like, yeah, woo. Because I think they had hit a PR or something. Super excited. I love the energy. I love seeing athletes achieve. Uh, that barbell ends up bouncing sideways and the end cap of it, bang, hits the, hits the wall. Again, it was plywood. So you could kind of see a mark, but there certainly wasn't a hole in it only because we'd gotten it right there. So highly recommended to use um, uh, plywood. Last story, had a guy who was doing uh, kettlebell swings. Um, doing them pretty well. And we were really working on like his hip extension. So that kind of powerful finish at the top of a kettlebell swing, contract your glutes, pull down with your lats, you know, get that vertical plank feeling. So he's doing it. He's getting this forward pop of his hips. He's doing awesome. And at some point, uh, I don't know if he didn't know he was done with reps or he, whatever the rep set was. Anyways, he does like a quarter of a swing and realizes, oh, that I don't need to do anymore. So he just lets go of the kettlebell. It goes you know, in front of him, a couple of feet bounces off the, off the rubber flooring, bounce, bounce, and then whack hits the wall. Luckily again, since it was a plywood wall, it didn't punch a hole. I didn't have to come in on Saturday and we didn't have to repair it. So highly recommended. Now, if you are rehabbing a space and you're like, Hey, we already have the wall structure up in our, in our, um, gym area. I would highly recommend at least getting some plywood or asking the contractor, get some plywood and put it lengthwise across the bottom four feet of the wall. Uh, typically, that's where most of the impacts occur, right? Because gravity brings everything down to that space. And if you don't know, um, plywood is sold in four foot by eight foot sheets, four foot by eight foot sheets. That's so a standard. If you go to like Home Depot or Lowe's, you'll see that's the standard size. If you were building your gym from uh, from scratch, I would put them vertically. So the eight foot high walls, I would make the uh, plywood all the way up eight feet. If I were rehabbing a, a space or, you know, kind of just remodeling it, I would go leave the remaining, the, the existing drywall in there and then lay the plywood lengthwise. So it's four feet tall, but that's where most of those hits are going to occur. Um, and paint the hell out of it. You know, it, it, it uh, It'll look pretty good. It'll look certainly good enough for a gym. But again, you don't want to have to do this maintenance or pay for this maintenance or all that. Well worth it on the front end to have that dry, the, the plywood, the plywood. Uh, 
I keep making a mistake, but it's the plywood that you want. All right. Minimum thickness, I would say is about half an inch. Uh, plywood these days is sold in very interesting, like 19, 30 seconds or something like that. It's very interesting um, uh, thicknesses, but tell your contractor that you want, you know, at least half an inch, maybe a little bit more, and they can do that. Also, um, you want it to be smooth, uh, smooth enough to paint. So it'll look good. Now, if you want to go for kind of an industrial look and use some, you know, kind of raw plywood, I think it, it goes very well with a gym kind of feeling. So that's important. So uh, do your best to have plywood walls. It'll just reduce the amount of uh, maintenance you have to do over the next decade or more. And, you know, every day you don't have to do maintenance. You're saving money, you're saving time, and you're making more profit, which is what we want in a clinic gym hybrid, right? So, all right, next up. Along the same ideas of protecting the walls, you know, building the, the walls out of plywood, next up is making sure you protect windows. You'll be shocked at how many times windows get hit, um, get chipped, take a beating, whatever it is. Now, sometimes that's a window that's up high. We had a guy, um, we had a practice net to hit golf balls into. He completely missed the practice net by shanking one, bounced a golf ball off the uh, plywood wall. It bounced and hit a, a window that was probably six or seven feet off the ground and shattered it. So luckily we got it repaired, but I was shocked. But I would say that especially for any window that's down at the floor level. So, you know, in a lot of spaces that people rent to build their clinic gym hybrid, like this one I saw on Friday, they're renting what's called storefront, which is where you see like the glass on the front of a, a strip mall, you know, it goes floor to ceiling. And it has the kind of aluminum squares or whatever, um, aluminum frame, and then the glass goes floor to ceiling. Well, if that is in your gym space, the, the advantage there, it's, it's awesome. It looks great. It's great to have that open feeling, especially if you have a smaller space. Having that open feeling to outside makes it feel bigger inside, lets in a lot of natural, natural light, which is great. There's a lot of advantages here. The disadvantage, again, is that people drop stuff. They drop dumbbells. They throw them. Uh, weight plates roll. Uh, there's all these danger zones, right? So what are you to do? The solution we found that I recommend to a lot of people is we've, uh, our contractor found four foot high chain link fencing and put in some, he was able to bolt some poles to the existing floor and then stretch this chain link fencing across. So, you know, we got all that natural light in there. We got that sunlight in there. We got the feeling of a, a bigger space. And we already had like 3,000 square feet of gym space. So it was really good. Um, but it gave it that feeling of wide open, but also somebody dropped a kettlebell, rolled a, a, a weight plate, you know, dropped a dumbbell or whatever. We got this protection from, uh, from that. So we weren't replacing glass quite often. All right. Still could happen. It happened with us in that errant golf ball from one of our golfers. But, you know, if you have windows that go all the way down to the floor in your gym area, Instead of blocking the windows, I would say just provide some sort of net or in our case, the chain link fencing worked really well. And I would highly recommend that. I know that sometimes people are like, oh, it doesn't really go with my decor. Totally get it. Understand. Do something. But if you can keep the windows and provide protection, you'll be in a good spot and do less maintenance long term. So that is window protection. Okay. All right. Uh, next up, I think it's important to talk about one of the surfaces that's going to cover more of your gym than anything, and that is the flooring, right? So a lot of spaces when you're rehabbing them, it's it's carpet. It's like a big carpet area. Carpet works okay. 
it needs to be cleaned and it's tough to clean. It gets dirty quick, uh, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of people like turf and turf, man, I used to recommend turf a whole lot more. Um, I would only recommend turf if you have more than about a 30 foot long space that you could run it in. And sometimes I see these really, these skinny sled tracks, you know, where people um, have like one or two lanes wide times 40 feet long of, of turf that's sled. I would get away from that right now. I would say just cover the entire floor in rolled rubber flooring. Rolled rubber flooring is just as it sounds, it's a big wide roll. It's about, I think it's about 12 or 16 feet wide. Uh, it's just a thick rubber material and you just roll it side to side in your entire space. If I were building a gym today and knowing what I know, I would start with ro- rolled rubber flooring. I would add turf I would wait to add turf after a year and make a decision then, do I really need turf? And you might find, no, this rolled rubber flooring works better. So why do I say rolled rubber flooring instead of, for example, stall mats? Two reasons, maybe three reasons. Stall mats, if you don't know, uh, sold at a lot of hardware stores or agricultural suppliers, and they're meant for horse stalls, right? Nice, thick, three-quarter inch rubber mat that horses can stand on um, if there's like concrete underneath. Works good for dropping weights and everything. And the installation of them is pretty damn simple because they're just heavy. You don't even have to glue them down. They're so damn heavy. If, uh, they come like, I can't remember, two feet by four feet or something. But when you lay them down, they weigh like 100 pounds per mat. And so, or it's four by six. Yeah, four feet by six feet. Weighs 100 pounds per mat. So they're not going to move around. The problem with stall mats is they're not meant to be flooring in a, uh, a business. And so you can tell because when you go into like a a CrossFit gym or anything that has stall mats, you'll see there is the, 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 the gaps at the edges are incredibly inconsistent. You'll see a gap on, excuse me, one side that's like, you know, just barely wide enough for a credit card. And then you get to the other end of the, the stall mat and, you know, you could shove, um, you could shove your finger in between the two mats. And the problem with that is, over six months or a year, hair, dirt, rocks, leaves, trash, wrappers, all sorts of bits of everything gets trapped in that big gap, that big, wide, three-quarter inch gap. And because of that, you end up having to do all this extra maintenance of getting down there with a vacuum tip or, you know, getting a, we, sometimes we'd have to get a screwdriver and kind of scrape stuff out. And it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. So I would say, again, knowing what I know today, Excuse me. I would go with rolled rubber flooring. Okay. Now, a couple details with that. When you see rolled rubber flooring, you'll see that every fitness place, like Perform Better, highly recommend them for all your flooring needs. They understand gym spaces and and what it takes. But you'll see that they sell it. It has little flex flex of color in it. Okay. So a little bit of blue in it or a little bit of gray in it. And at first, I'm like, oh, that doesn't look uniform, look kind of dirty. But I, I can see now why they do it. Those little bit of flecks of color distract your members when, when your space is a little bit dirty. And I know it doesn't seem like a big deal, but man, members will comment if your space feels or looks dirty. So I would rather have little flecks of colored paint or the little colored rubber flecks much more than I would have a solid black floor, okay? And the advantage here, of course, is that 
because it's a huge wide roll and it runs wall to wall, you don't have any seams where all the dirt and dust and hair and wrappers and, you know, bits of whatever collect, right? You just, you have no seams. So it's a whole lot easier to clean when you clean it. Um, with that, I would say you got to vacuum it, uh, your space every day. And if you think that's too much, I would say every other day. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it would be the minimum, minimum, because you want to provide that high class, like world-class experience. And if you don't vacuum every other day, dust and leaves and all sorts of stuff starts building up and people notice, man, it's, it's embarrassing, but they will notice. And then I would say you got to mop it at least once a week. Uh, mopping rolled rubber is, you know, you get like an industrial mop, one of those like string mops and just instead of pushing like you would on a slick, the slick flooring surface, you're just pulling it towards you and just use a normal everyday industrial cleaner available like Home Depot Lowe's. Or if you're, if you're working with Perform Better, who I'd recommend for flooring, ask them for the cleaner. Okay. Which takes me over to the maintenance, by the way. Remember I said, I don't like turf. One of the things you have to do with turf is A, you got to vacuum it. And that stuff grabs more hair than anything you've ever seen. It's insane how much hair uh, turf will, will hold um, and collect. And the other thing is you got to basically get it steam clean periodically. People are sweating into it. They're, you know, sweat's dripping down there. You'll see people uh, spitting and drooling. And I've seen people, you know, get a little nick from a weight and they're bleeding into the turf. You got to steam clean it probably quarterly. That's another reason why I would go with rolled rubber flooring. The maintenance, you know, as long as you vacuum and mop it, you, you, you're better. Second reason for rolled rubber flooring versus turf is rubber does a better job at deadening sound. And, you know, they're hopefully when your clinic gym hybrid is up and running, you have classes during the day in your fitness space and you also are treating patients in the clinic side. Well, if they're dropping dumbbells and all sorts of stuff, you don't want it sounding like a jackhammer going off in your clinic. So having that thick rubber flooring is great to deaden the sound. And that the fact that it's a huge single sheet of rubber, especially if they glue it down, it kills sound like crazy, like crazy. So with that, if I were buying a rolled rubber flooring, again, Perform Better is probably the best one. They'll even do a design on it with you and stuff. Um, I've seen everything, putting in ladders and all that. But I would definitely go with the minimum thickness would be half an inch. And that would be if I'm, if, if it's a, if you're on the ground floor of a one-story building, if you're on the second story or you really want some sound deadening or whatever, or you have neighbors, I would go with like a three-quarter inch thick rolled rubber flooring. Gets kind of pricey, but I think it's well worth it. Finally, the other reason I wouldn't use stall mats is in a lot of counties, they're starting to crack down on, on gyms that are using stall mats because they're not indoor fire rated. So every flooring, like whatever carpet you have in your house has to have a fire rating. Meaning if somebody drops something that's on fire, like a cigarette or, you know, something, a candle falls over something, they don't want it to catch your floor on fire because in that case, it's going to spread to every inch of the house, right? So stall mats are an outdoor application. Therefore, they don't have to have that fire rating. Um, and so it would suck to have laid down a bunch of stall mats. And this happened to somebody I know laid down all the stall mats, city inspector came in and said, you're not opening unless you remove those things. They are a fire hazard. So not only did they lose all the money installing those stall mats, they ended up having to buy a different kind of floor anyways. Rolled rubber flooring is meant for indoor application, therefore has a fire rating that works. Highly recommend that. All right. So next up, uh, that was rolled rubber flooring. Next up is, you know, so there you are, you have a 
a, a clinic and you have a gym, you know, they cross over a lot. And so let's talk about some ways that you can really kind of make sure that things look great for both sides of the house. So number one, if your clinic is right next to the gym, you probably want, and this is again, if you're in new construction, you want to ask your contractor to put sound deadening insulation in the walls of the clinic that are up against the gym. There's music playing, there's people dropping weights, they're yelling, high-fiving, screaming, woo, celebrating. That's all great stuff. You want to encourage that? But when you're in the clinic rooms, you want it to be relatively quiet, relatively. A little bit of noise is acceptable, but relatively. Well, I will tell you from experience that a lot of contractors, one way that they save money on bids is on the walls they build you inside or what are called interior walls, they don't use any insulation. And the problem with that is you can hear a lot through the walls, especially if it's quiet or, you know, you're, you have somebody on dry needling or e-stim or something where they're, they're laying there and there's not a lot of noise inside their room. They can hear a lot of stuff going on next door and wherever. So I would highly recommend insulation in all the walls. Secondly, insulation is super important on the lid or on the top of the clinic rooms. Most of the time, most contractors won't put any sound ending up there, won't put any insulation. and that is an area, a huge area of conduction of sound. The sound comes out of the gym, goes on top of the clinic, and you can hear it through there. So be very careful with that. You know, especially you got to think you got to protect HIPAA too, hit, maintain privacy. And if you just have paper thin walls and people can hear everything that's going on, it's really difficult to maintain that kind of HIPAA compliance. Um, so highly recommended you add insulation. You request that your contractor add insulation. Uh, in the walls and especially on top. Okay. Now let's talk real quick about that. Sound sometimes is a huge issue. Like if you have a gym and it shares a common wall with your next door neighbor in the shopping center, be ready for complaints, man. I've done this. I actually have a space. I had a whole golf simulator set up and uh, a whole golf performance center. And next door was a Pilates studio and she complained to the landlord that we were making too much noise hitting golf balls. And uh, yeah, it sucked. She rented like 7,000 square feet. We rented a thousand and uh, she told him, Hey, it's me or him. And so the landlord said, this is not a tough decision. Um, I got to ask you to leave. So I could not renew my lease, which really sucked. We'd spent like 40, $50,000 installing the golf simulators and equipment and testing equipment, all that. So that, that sucked. Anyways, going back to that, if you share a wall with another neighbor, you got to make sure you're, you know, if it's a massage studio where, you know, people are, it's very quiet in there, you may get many more noise complaints. So ask your contractor to build a sound wall between you and the next door neighbor. A sound wall is kind of hard to explain. Basically, most walls are two by fours or two by sixes, which is like a big chunk of lumber with drywall on either side. What they do in a sound wall is they, they don't attach drywall to both sides. They attach it to one side. It's hard to explain this. And they offset another two by four. So it attaches to the other side. What it does is it doesn't let sound conduct through that wall to your neighbor's spot. Uh, that's tough, but you know, that'll reduce a lot of the complaints. So if you ask them to build a sound wall with insulation, they'll know what that means. 
and it does a really good job of reducing the sound that transmits through the walls to your neighbor. Additionally, if you guys share the same concrete slab, meaning like you're sharing a building and it's all just one single concrete slab, that can frustrate some neighbors because you're getting the conduction, right? So, so I drop a kettlebell or a barbell and it boom, shakes the floor, they're going to feel it next door. So if that's the case, one thing you might want to consider is asking your contractor to do what's called cut the slab. That's where they go along the wall between you and your neighbors and they cut through that concrete. So when the sound waves from dropping the barbell, they travel towards your neighbor, it hits that little gap from the cut and they don't conduct across and then your neighbor doesn't feel them. So it works well to you know, maintain those good relationships with your neighbor. I would, so I would definitely invest in those things, the insulation, sound wall, all those things if I had a neighbor. Lastly, when you're building your facility, uh, this kind of has to do with the first one. But remember, you know, people are going to be dropping things. They're bringing in bags. They're taking stuff out like bands and, and God knows everything, golf clubs and um, different stuff. You're moving, maybe moving like jump boxes and all that stuff. Holy Moses, just all. And, and people, when they're tired and they're sweaty, they're not really slowing down to care enough about your facility. And, uh, and that's fine. Like you're there to serve them. I, I get it. But again, I don't want you to have to go into maintenance mode. So I would highly recommend final kind of tip on building is put in some robust corner protection. So the corners of your office, the corner where the walls come together, put in some robust corner protection. My favorite is uh, you can get diamond plate steel or aluminum bent into like 90 degrees. And so it goes over the right where the corner comes together um, and just cover that up with, with steel or something because people will nick those corners all the time. Now you're like, oh, it's not a big deal. This and that. I'm telling you what, it looks like crap. You got to keep touching it up with paint. Um, you know, everything from scrapes to, to bangs with, uh, with golf clubs to uh, people moving weights or kettlebells and catching that corner. You become, again, you become like a drywall repair technician because you're fixing it so damn much and repainting and touching up and all that. Just eliminate the problem. So put in some robust stuff. I like the aluminum, but I've seen rubber covers, plastic covers, uh, all sorts of stuff. Doesn't matter what it is. Just put in some robust corner protection so that it reduces the amount of maintenance you have to do and increases the profit you're going to take home because you're not sitting there spending time and money on these little issues. So corner protection on any outside corner uh, in the gym, any one of them, even going into the bathroom or in the bathroom, I would still put corner protection there. Even if it's a little alcove for a drinking fountain, I'd put corner protection there. You will be shocked at how many people bang around in there. And as a gym owner, I'm telling you, like these things sound minimal or trivial. Please write these down. And when you build your facility, listen to what I'm saying. It's going to save you so much time, effort, and headache. The worst thing in life is when you got to come in on a Saturday or Sunday and fix something in your gym or clean the turf or meet the guy to steam clean the turf or meet the tech who's going to repaint. He has to, you know, do a coat on Saturday night and then come back and meet him on Sunday morning. Like it just drove, drove me nuts. And that stuff is all money out without money in. It does not help you make more money. So try and build up a facility. It doesn't have to be fancy, but just one that works for you early on, early on 
And from the get-go, you're not doing these stupid little lazy maintenance issues. All right. So those are my five tips for building a uh, clinic gym hybrid. And if you're rehabbing, now look, if you are building one, then please hop into our Facebook group and uh, you know put up like what you're building or what, what you ended up doing, lessons you learned, uh, what your contractor said or recommended. Those things are always fun. Um, yeah. But on the next podcast, what I'd really like to do is part two is let, after you have the building actually built or the space actually built, what are some considerations for inside operations to reduce that, that load, that effort, the maintenance, all those trivial things so that you're actually making huge profit? You know, in our last podcast, we, you know, I was talking to Justin Rabinowitz and we were talking about the, the idea of making 200 to 250 grand a year in take-home income. And I really think we need to keep aiming at that. And I will tell you, when you have a clinic gym hybrid, you got to reduce the maintenance so that the, the use of the gym is people come in, they get trained. Your trainers work with them. They go home. Like you don't need to be there uh, polishing, polishing these things up and repairing things and all that. It will drive you nuts. I've done it. I've owned multiple facilities where I did it. And uh, when I was young and a you know, young chiropractor and I had all the time in the world, I was like, hey, I'll come in on a Saturday and fix that stuff. You get married, you have kids, you, you know, you get to a point where you just don't want to do that stuff. Well, who's going to do it? You think any of your employees want to stay there and your, your trainer wants to fix or patch a hole in the drywall? Heck no. So instead of saying who's going to fix it, let's step back and go, why is it even occurring? And that's really what these tips are about is building a facility. If you had plywood walls, window protection, rubber flooring, and corner protection, it's going to take, man, it would take a lot to still have a bunch of, um, to have some damage done where you have to come in on a weekend repair to hire somebody. That that facility would be so resilient at that point. I just, yeah, you could work out with nothing but 18 to 22 year old males throwing weights around and still place would look great uh, the following day. And no one's as hard on the gym as 18 to 22 year old males, by the way. Anyways, all that is to say, build the facility of your dreams, man. Let's get this going. If you are interested in this, like, I would love, 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 love to work with you. If you're interested, we have a, we're developing a program to help you open up your facility in six weeks or less. Um, but let's get over that hump. So many people say, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. And a year later, they still haven't made any moves. Don't be like them. Let's start getting this facility built out. Let's start getting these uh, clients in and life will be good. Clinic Gym Hybrid is the best business model. Serves your patients better, serves you better. It's a better business, more profit etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, that's why you're listening, right? So tune in next time and we'll talk about how to operate it in that, uh, that best way or what, what some considerations are to save you money and make more profit from the operations side of things. And um, yeah, if you thought this was good and worthwhile and this is something to interest you, please, I would really appreciate if you were willing to leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're on, uh, Apple, Spotify, whatever, Throw up a, a five-star review or whatever star you think is appropriate, but love to have that from you. If, if you do that, then more people get exposed to this and we can really change the profession because the clinic gym hybrid is not just a cooler business model. It's also the, the most evidence-based model, right? Everything improves with exercise. So you got to have that in your facility. Anyways, with that, please leave us a review if you like this. Otherwise, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of and make at least 250 grand a year. All right, with that, thanks so much for listening and we will catch you next week. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. 
If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. We've got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients. 